have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Orton. What? Then name the system Orton. Loki religion is an ancient weapon. There's no match for a good blast. Working coming up on Alderaan. You may fire when ready. Welcome to Alderaan Explosion, the Explosion Network's official countdown to Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. It's... 28 days until release. My name is Dylan Blight, your Jedi Master, and joining me, my regular partner ones, Ashley Hobley. Hey Dylan, excited to be here to talk about video games and TV series. You hit the nail right on the head. And Kieran Marchant. Wait, we're not talking about The Last Jedi? No, oh my god, don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, I watched it this week. Did you really? No, I didn't. No, okay, thank God. <laughs> that was we've still got Force Awakens to fucking listen to. Yeah, to I was like, please, please, you're all over the place. And extra special guest for this week's episode. You could say Nicholas he's almost Pryor. a bounty hunter. Yeah, bounty hunter. It's not right that you haven't granted me the rank of master. Sorry, uh, no. Well, I'm Jedi master, so and these two have been around longer than you, so who <laughs> is would it? Feel probably but, uh, who no, is I, it? I am arguably a bigger Star Wars fan than those two. Yeah. I said it's Nicholas Pryor. Come uh, over here, Jesus Christ. Couldn't hear yeah, over the lightsaber. Um, Igniting. The, 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 the silent partner in Explosion Network. Hmm. Nick, Nick was on um, episode... I don't know. What one of season one were you on? Empire Strikes Back. I think Empire. it was Empire, yeah. It'll be the one that Empire. actually wasn't on. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Okay. I was like, I remember him being on one. Uh, also, it's quite funny this week. If you're listening to this, you're like, damn, I haven't heard Nick on much frages. Uh, Nick's on everything but Platinum Explosion this week somehow. So there's the. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy. Of, of Don't worry, we're world. going back to edit it for me, putting me in it. <laughs> <laughs> Put you in Platinum Explosion. All right. So this week's episode, we are taking a, a break on discussing the movies, of course, before next week we jump into The Force Awakens and then Last Jedi. And then, holy shit, we're right around the corner from the release of Rise of Skywalker. But we've had two pretty massive releases in the Star Wars universe in the past week anyway, with the release of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and then also The Mandalorian, as Disney Plus has released in Australia now, and there's two episodes of that available at the moment. So we're going to discuss Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order first, and then get into a bit of The Mandalorian. I will warn you, The Mandalorian, we're going in with full spoilers open, so if we when we get to that point and you still haven't watched it, then you, you can turn off the podcast then. We're going to discuss Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order with a spoiler-free zone on it because it is a game. It's much longer. It's much bigger. I wouldn't have expect everyone to have suddenly finished that yet. Uh, but jumping into that, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is set five years after the events of The Revenge of the Sith. It is the first fully story-centric game we've had in the six years that EA has had the Star Wars license. But I'm going to ask everyone the question that's played it. That's everyone but Nick. Uh, the question of does it tell an inter- enough, interesting enough story to salivate us, its audience? Ash, from what you've played so far, because you haven't finished it, how much are you enjoying the story for Jedi Fallen Order? How do you feel about its characters? How do you feel about its relevance as a Star Wars story? Because I. I have one more asterisk on this. We're not discussing the gameplay here because this is Old Man Explosion. If you want to hear us discuss Gen- Jedi Fallen Order's gameplay, go listen to this week's episode of RK Couch. We are focusing on this game as a story property within the Star Wars. Something very precious to the Empire. We're done hiding, Cal. 
Are you with us? We're in. Right, I mean, I feel like I've next. gotten to an interesting segment of the story, but it's it doesn't feel like it's having an impact on the world overall. Obviously, uh, you're getting a bit more backstory on the antagonists of the film, of the game, which were previously in Rebels, I believe. Yeah. You, second sister explain the explain the opening of the game in your point of view because i get i think i would have a different view on it like because i already know about inquisitors and stuff but like if you want to explain the opening and how you felt about it or if it was like who are the fucking inquisitors What's no going well on? i knew the basic concept of inquisitors uh so i knew there were people who were hunting false sensitive people keep them the little people down keep the jedi down to make sure they didn't come back as <laughs> their purpose <laughs> But I don't, that first section of the game is like my favorite part of the game, I think, which is an issue. Uh, yeah, so the, <laughs> the opening of the game, I don't think it's a massive spoiler to say this, obviously. The opening game, like the first hour, is Cal Kestis, the Jedi, the, uh, a Padawan, when the uh, Order 66 happened, he was a Padawan. Um, he's been hiding for five years. He's working on Bracca, this new planet that was invented for the game. It's also a planet that shows up in the recent uh, Resistance Reborn novel as well. And technically it shows up there first because that novel was invented first. Uh, released first, sorry. Uh, so he's working on this planet. He's scrapping in ships from the Clone Wars period. And then his friend basically falls off one of the ships and he has to use his force powers to save him, even though he hasn't used them for five years. And then that leads... Uh, the Empire mm. to find out he's there and the Empire sends down a couple Inquisitors the second sister and the ninth sister to uh, kill him of course and he makes a run for it and you've got the first era of the game is this very uncharted like action sequence as he makes his way to escape and he's eventually saved by uh, mental blanking on the character's name but this sir, sir that's it sir? yeah yeah um, who was a uh, fully fledged Jedi during the events of Revenge of the Sith, but who has also cut herself off from the Force and no longer works as a Jedi. And then the core concept for the game from that point on is trying to restore the the Jedi Order. But that first hour is very like rich, like action scene and whatever else is happening. And it's like, hey, Inquisitors, all these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but how? Uh, continuing with you, Ash. Yeah. The the core concept and story of having to go to these different places and because the main pull of the game is going as Cal, uh, trying to restore the Jedi order is basically what his mission is. And you're going to these different locations, trying to find your way to a Jedi holocron that is said to contain the names of a bunch of force sensitive children across the galaxy. And that's what he wants to find. That's the general MacGuffin of the movie. Um, yeah. Of course, the Empire wants that as well because they want to kill all the force sensitive <clears throat> children. Uh, are you enjoying that pull, that story? I mean, it's fine. I mean, it, it gives you a purpose to go through. Um, I don't. I I don't know how much a list of force sensitive people is going to impact anybody, especially seeing it's like six years later. Um, but yeah, it's it's enough of a hook to get you to keep going. I think it's more about the characters, other characters that are more interesting. Uh, Sir and uh, the ship captain. What's his name? Uh, Grees, they're fun to put, play, talk to and stuff. Say, I was about to say, put it this way, they're so interesting, you remember their names very well. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking of the Captain Bearded Dude with lots of arms, but yeah. I enjoy the cutscenes, but there's so much gameplay in between each getting to each story point, I feel, is the, the story in this game has trickled out very slowly. Uh-huh. Uh. Kieran, how um how are you feeling about it so far? The the general story, the general pool, Cal as a character. Um, 
I, do, I, I just, I think I really enjoy the game. I feel, I've already said this on Arcade Couch, that I think I do feel very biased because I'm at a point of my Star Wars interests that I am very much like just wanting more to experience more within the Star Wars universe at the minute. So to, to have this game, and I think this is the best game since Knights of the Old Republic to actually feel like I'm like a part of that world and to be able to explore that universe a lot more. Um, Cal's a character. Well, he's kind of cardboard, but like, I just, I think I didn't get the sense. And this is where I'm. <laughs> he's cardboard. <laughs> he's cardboard. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is where me um, coming from, I'm, you know, listening through the Resistance Reborn book at the moment. And I really like the the stories and the characters that that book is telling. And there is signs of uh, differential in prowess, I guess, is, when it comes to character development and actually talking about characters and making characters interesting. Um, like, I just don't... I feel like the story isn't always the emphasis of the game, sadly. And I do... I really am enjoying the game. Don't get me wrong. I really... I'm really high on this game. But I think... As a Star Wars game itself, I think it does a good job of setting some things up and giving us more information in a different format that people are more readily able to get. Um, but I think in, in certain points, it's weaker on individual character basis, if that makes sense. Can I just say, from what I've heard, it sounds like it's trying to tell too big of a story. Like trying to rebuild the Jedi Order, like one Padawan. It, I don't know. It, it just feels like a missed opportunity. They could have told a more personal story. This is granted, obviously, from secondhand knowledge. I was, I was personally, I was pretty surprised when it came up about looking for a holocron that contained a list of force-sensitive users. Because I guess the problem with the problem is when when the story is that it kind of for me as a as a as part of a narrative it shuts down the possibilities for the end of the game because we know that this isn't where the Jedi Order springs back up. We know that this isn't where all of this stuff comes back together. So where does this game end? And I think it kind of limits its ending. If it was more to tell the story of Cal and tell his story of him rejoining the Force and, and the things he goes through in this period of time... I think it would be a lot more interesting than having it about rebuilding the Jedi Order. Yeah, so the the general pool of like rebuilding the Jedi Order, I found to just be a very boring main plot because I I predicted what was going to happen in like my first couple hours of playing the game. As soon as I found out what the general thing was going to happen, I'm like, betcha this is going to happen, and it's exactly no, what that. How many times and have you seen that kind of story played out in Star Wars? As it is exactly, it's it's. It's a very boring, done before, several different ways, uh, similar storyline um, happened. And the way it plays out is very predictable, and that doesn't make it super fun. Now, I would forgive it if the characters were interesting enough, but as I've said, I don't find, I don't find Cal interesting. He has no charm about him. He has no real, like, pull. Like, his whole thing is just like, oh, I get, like, I'm sick of running. I'm going to help rebuild the Jedi Order. But it's never, like, super... There's any depth to him at all it's just like that's what he suddenly decides and that's what he's doing but you never get any more depth to him as a character really 
Um, Sia is actually a little bit more interesting because of what she's had to do uh, and what she's been through since Order 66. But the most interesting character in the game that you barely get to go over, but is still the most interesting in the character in the game, is the second sister. Um, eventually, you start to learn more about her character. And then it just really made me wish the game was actually about her. And she was the main character and was playing the game from her point of view. And you were still trying to chase after Cal or whatever. But then I wouldn't care because he was boring. But I'm like, oh, whatever. He's just <laughs> the fucking like the villain, I guess, in that in that weird scenario. But they wouldn't be brave enough to do, it, to do a game from the point of view from an Inquisitor. Like that's not what people want to play as. They want to play as a good guy. They want to play as the Jedi. But Cal is just such a weatherboard of a stereotypical good guy Jedi character that he's just not exciting and not fun. Um, and the game, another really interesting character is uh, the night sister you meet on Dathomir when you start to learn more about her and what choices she's made and these sorts of things. As someone who's obviously watched all of the Clone Wars and everything, they start talking about the fact that her people were all, she talks about the fact that all of her people were killed off. Like she's like, oh, a mechanical monster came down and, like killed all my people and stuff and it's an obvious she's obviously talking about what happens in the clone wars they they cover what happens to mandalore they cover what happened Gen, like general grievous and everyone goes down there and like they take a whole army down there and they kill everyone like they go after everyone down there um so she, she starts talking about that and obviously i i grabbed onto that because she's talking about events from other things and that's really interesting and her being like one of possibly a few sole survivors of a slaughter um, done by basically the Empire. It wasn't Empire at the time, but, you know, what became the Empire, basically, because it was orders coming from Dooku, which is the, the Empire nonetheless. So, like, that was super interesting as her as, like, a sole survivor of that, possibly sole survivor. Um, and she was also super interesting, but Cal just so boring amongst all these other way more interesting characters. And I think the other thing that annoys me is they got us, <laughs> like, he's, like, such a stereotypical, just white dude boring character. And I'm, I always remember back in the interview where they asked why they picked to do a, like that character in the game and the answer that Stig um, Amerson <clears throat> gave, at the, gave at the time in the interview was that, well, Ray, we've got Ray in the movies. And he's like, well, so that's why we had to do boring character. I'm like, okay, well, can do an alien? I don't know, anything? Like just <clears throat> like any, like go crazy. I, I, I don't know. Like break, <laughs> even just break the mold of what we know a Jedi as because – I am. I'm really just once. Can we have a protagonist of a Star Wars game or movie that isn't good with robots and technical stuff? Like every single ca- like protagonist or main character seems to be a whiz with robots. That's like all the time, and it, it's just yeah. It just seems to be like they can all talk to them. They can all fucking fix them, and I'm like. Can, can like even just playing this, I was like, "Oh, that's a traditional, you know, that's a constant trope we get in Star Wars all the time." Is that the main character just knows what to do with them? It's like I just want something different, you know. In it, I, th- I, I think this in particular, more than anything, has fallen more to as a victim of the business side more than anything else. Because it, I think, for them to get a hit, they wanted to hit those beats of what people are familiar with a story that people mm-hmm. are kind of going to be sort of invested in, like a plain white Jedi. Like it's, I think, yeah, it's the most gone down to the business side of Star Wars. Yeah. Especially in the gaming arena, I guess. Especially when it's almost like EA's playing it safe. 
not to go too far into that, but EA is playing it safe to be like, hey, we can actually do this sort of Star Wars game. Like, mm. you know, it, it's it's almost like they're trying to prove something. My one last thing I want to say on the story for this game and the characters uh, before we move on to Mandalorian is that once I after I beat the game, I <coughs> booted up Battlefront Two, and I played through the DLC for that because when the DLC released for that originally, I had already traded in my copy of the game, so I just watched the story of that free youtube videos at the time because i was like oh fuck it but i was like oh actually it's been so long even though i know what's happened i want to play through it i want to i want to get back to those characters and not to say that battlefront 2 is perfect but playing through the dlc for battlefront 2 i was like these all of these characters are way more interesting than any of the characters that are in jedi fallen order in fact to the point that a lot of these characters are in resistance reborn um shriv and um, the her daughter, oh, her, uh, the main character's name. door, yeah. Like they're literally s- some of the main characters in that book. They've shown up in other things as well. Like the, uh, even if you don't love that game, that game's at least yeah. created interesting and fun characters that are going to carry on into future Star Wars properties and have carried on into future Star Wars properties. And one thing I can say for sure with uh, Jedi Fallen Order is I do not care if I see any of these characters ever again. Or even Full even stop. just the mention of them, like even in Resistance Reborn when Inferno Squadrons brought up, there was mm-hmm. a, a sense of excitement for me. There was a sense of interest where it's like, oh shit, yeah, Inferno Squadron, that's, that's being brought into this. Like that Battlefront 2 story actually meant something. That's so cool. Like that's that's really good. Uh-huh. Um, where I'm starting to get the feeling that Jedi Fallen Order won't be. Whether you think it worked or not, at least Battlefront 2's story tried to do something different. I my my main problem with it isn't with its story. It's just I feel all the level design itself was very much like tutorial Mm. stuff for the multiplayer. So the the story I enjoyed, the level design I did not. And I for people that think that's all one and the same, it is not. They're completely different. I think Battlefront 2 has an interesting story behind it. It's just the level design wasn't fun enough to drive forward the, the story and the characters it had that was actually quite interesting. Um, Inferno Squad, the book that's set before the game, that's really interesting. The character's really interesting. The characters continue to be interesting in the game. They just didn't have a, as great a game to, to, to play with. Uh, okay, let's move on to The Mandalorian. So Mandalorian is two episodes deep at the moment. That's how much it launched with on Disney+. Plus. Third episode is out this Friday, of course, tomorrow. Dave is releasing. Um, then one fruit basically ends the last week of the year or something like that, fruit, by the time we get to the last one. Um, so I want to get, although me and Ash have discussed it, because we are doing The Mandalorians, our Mandalorian after show, which will uh, be coming out each week after each episode. The first episode, we discussed chapter one and two, but I want to talk a little bit here to, obviously, Kieran and um, Nick haven't had a chance to discuss the show and I want to get an overall opinion on it not like boiling down what happens moment by moment in the episode look outside it's a world more peaceful since the revolution It is good to restore the natural order of things. So starting with you, Ash, since we've already discussed and everything, what are your overall thoughts on the series so far, two episodes in? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it definitely feels of the uh, original series, original trilogy era, uh, not as flashy and uh, shiny as the prequels or the 
uh, current Star Wars trilogy. So yeah, enjoyable. Nice to see a bounty hunter. Nice to see somebody fighting creatures, alien creatures, and getting their ass handed to them constantly. You know? Plus, I feel like everyone just wants to end it with plus baby. Plus baby. baby plus Yiddle. <laughs> y- yiddle. Yeah. That, by the way, if you haven't listened to Mandalorian yet, I, I should have gave the extra spoiler warning, but I already gave it to you, by the way. We're full spoilers. Um, thank you. Love you. See you later. Um, yiddle is the official name the Explosion Network has gave Lord Baby Yoda. And we're not going over why it's wrong or right to call it Baby Yoda again because we went over that again. And stop yelling at people on the internet for saying it and being fucking nerd fanboys because what the hell else are people supposed to call it? We don't know its species. Saying Baby Yoda is perfectly fine. On Wikipedia, when we don't know it's called Yoda species. Yeah, well, I keep seeing nerds online like correcting people being like, well, it's actually not Baby Yoda because blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the person's probably aware it's just, what the fuck else do you call it? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it, dude. Ah, oh, fuck. Um, Kieran, what are your thoughts um, on the series so far? Overall, I really like it. I really enjoyed uh, the first episode and the second. I enjoyed both episodes a lot. I've watched them both twice now. Um, I, I was, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but I was a little... It's it's kind of disappointment when when the uh, child used the force. I was a little bit disappointed because I didn't want anything like the force being included in this series in my original like what I wanted for this. Um, but it's only that's only a really small minor point for me because like I really like what they do with that that child's really fun in the second episode and it's, it has some really cool moments throughout the whole thing. Um, Jawas, uh, I was smiled as soon as I saw Jawas were in that fucking episode and and what they were doing. Even just like the little things, like there was a small, I don't know if it's a scene, but it's a, it's a small transitioning section where the Mandalorian is sat in the Jawas um, vehicle and like just the scale of the inside of that cockpit compared to him was just really interesting and funny to see because it was just not something we'd seen before and it always looks big because the Jawas look big and it like looks small in it and it's not the case so yeah no I really really liked it I think it's a good good series. also Dylan for episode one of Mandalorians it's a sand crawler thank you you're welcome I did mental yeah I, I fumbled <laughs> on that one I get to I get 20 points taken off me every time I forget something Star Wars related apparently but there you go um <laughs> Karen, what are your um Nick, sorry. Nick, what are your overall thoughts on the the show so far? I'm really high on the first two episodes. If it's consistent in its quality and the way it keeps going, I think it's gonna be one of my favourite Disney produced Star Wars things so far. Like what? I love it's uh, I just feel like it's so different to everything else. Like I like the more, I guess, Western influences, the more, I guess, like he comes across as a more uh, Western movie kind of character, like a silent, not so so much silent, but like only speaks when it's necessary, kind of like stoic kind of character. And it's the storytelling is through the world and the interactions with him, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. In in my review, I, compared it to like the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, yeah. Not only from like a character perspective with 
the Clint Eastwood's character, kind of like the lone gunman. But then also, I feel like the music in the show, which I absolutely love, is seems doesn't sound exactly like, but seems like it's inspired by uh, Sergio Leone's music that he does as well. So, and even some of the shots, like the wide the wide shots over the open terrain, and the even the beginning when he walks into the bar, and this, you could like copy and paste that from a Western movie and put it into that. Like it's yeah, I did. Yeah, I just like how unique it feels, at least at this point. The other thing, I, I don't know if I'm concerned about it, but I read that Lucas always wanted to keep Yoda's species a mystery, and I don't know if they're going to, if like Favreau and Disney are going to honour that or if they just have their own kind of plans for it. I think there's enough elements of mystery already in that character, and I don't think there's ever going to be a point in this... Um, story where we get much more deeper information about that character i which i hope i disagree solely for one reason well mm-hmm. uh, hold on, before i get to that let me just quickly say that i really enjoy the show obvious i feel like that's obvious it's star wars it would be weird if i hate it well actually i don't like star wars jed fallen order so yeah, maybe i was not. gonna say uh <laughs> but i i really enjoyed the first episode i just found it like um for newcomers that aren't like super deep in Star Wars, I reckon the first episode would be quite confusing. My brother watched it. He found it quite confusing. He was like, ask me a million and one questions. When's it set? Why is this character Boba Fett, but not Boba Fett? Why there's Stormtroopers here if it's after the Empire's fallen? You know, like there's a million, like, is this Tatooine? Is this planet Tatooine? Like every planet, is this Tatooine? You know, like that sort of um, stuff. Um so I'm loving it. I, I enjoyed the second episode a lot more than the first because I found the pacing to be a little bit le- less hectic and a little bit more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, the big reveal that comes, I absolutely love. I love the where this series is going with the relationship between uh, the Mando and the the child. That's when I said like on the Mandalorian, that is the show. And Ash was like, "Is it though?" And I was like, you know, "I'm like that Did, is the show. The show is literally going to be him and that that child. That is what the concept is." Um, Just a note on that, the reveal at the end of the first episode. I am so glad that I was not spoiled in that because that was a <laughs> shocking, a real, a genuine jaw-dropping moment. Like, wow, what the fuck? Yeah. Kind of thing. So I can so I can tie that into what I was going to say before about Yoda as well because I watched an interview today that has come up since we recorded The Mandalorians with both Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. And they talked about several things. One, they talked about not having the Yoda child spoiled. And they discussed how the only reason it was unable, that it wasn't spoiled for people. And I don't mean like people spoiling on Twitter between the week when Australia and America. I mean like prior to that. Um, he said that the, the real reason it wasn't spoiled, because they kept it out all the trailers, he said was thanks to Disney's willingness for them to be like, hey, we don't want this spoiled. You can't make merchandise. And in the in, in the interview, John Favreau says most of the time when stuff gets spoiled for Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, whatever it is, it's because something will leak from a merchandising company, be that a t-shirt, a toy, a fucking Legos, you know, any of these sorts of things. And they told Disney that we do not want any merchandise made for this. They said they understood that people would want the merchandise. And yes, people want the merchandise. I want the fucking merchandise. I want a plushie of that goddamn Yoda baby thing, Yeedle. Um, of course we do. Heaps of people want that. But they said Disney was willing to be like, okay, we're going to play ball. And I think that's pretty good move on Disney's part for them to actually play ball with that request, um, especially because that's a very money, anti-money decision for them mm. to make, really, not to have the merchandise ready to pump out mm. after the series has aired. Um, in that same interview, 
uh, they talked about how uh, Dave Filoni talked about how when John Favreau came to him with the idea for the show first and he pitched it, the first pitch he gave for the show was it's about Mando and this child. That's how he pitched the show. So to me, that confirms that the show is that. It's not that that child's going to disappear on episode three, four, and the show's going to go somewhere else. That is the show. If that's how he was pitching the show, the show's about their relationship. Um, he said that John Favreau pitched it to him, and then straight away he was highly intrigued, and Dave Filoni said he felt obligated to become part of the project simply because of his relationship with George Lucas. For those who don't know, Dave Filoni is basically, if you want to look for anyone that's like the prodigal son and... Yeah follow-up for George Lucas, it's Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni was handpicked to come in and work on the Clone Wars when Lucas was starting that. He is the person that basically everyone goes to at Lucasfilm when it comes to, well, how would George feel about this? What would George do here? These sorts of things. And it's because he's he's would listen and talk to George all the time. He's, George Lucas has gave interviews and said the reason he liked Dave Filoni so much is because Dave Filoni was someone who wouldn't sit there and interrupt George. He would let George just talk and talk and talk because Dave wanted to just listen to him and take in the information and get an understanding of George Lucas and um, his view on Star Wars. So he said when he heard that jo- uh, John Favreau wanted to play around with the Yoda ca- Yoda species, he said that he felt obligated to come in and p- be a part of it because he knew that George didn't um, want to re- reveal the species and he had explained to Dave why he didn't want to reveal the species and these sorts of things. So he said he wanted to be part of that. Now, whether or not Dave Filoni has been told by George years ago what George considers the name of Yoda's species, these sorts of things. I would say if George does have that information in his head, Dave knows it. I would say that anything that's in George's head that he's let out, Dave is the one person in the world I would say that knows these sorts of things. And another thing is that George Lucas visited the set of The Mandalorian a lot, like more than he visited anything else, I think, um, at this stage. Like there is photos and stuff of him showing up and visiting the show a lot and reports show that he is quite a fan of what he was watching happening on the show, what was happening behind the scenes, um, everything else is going down. So I think if they're going to do a reveal of the species name and explore more about what the species is, what they're about, I think it would seem like it has not only George's blessing, but Dave Filoni's there to be the George Lucas sit-in shepherd to make sure that that reveal and playing with that information is done right. And that's the reason I will feel good and safe about this show doing that and handling that information because Dave Filoni is involved. If it was anyone else, if it was just John Favreau by himself, I would say no. But there are two executive producers on this show. It's John Favreau and it's Dave Filoni. That's why it's wrong. I, I agree with you. Um, but in another extent, if they do keep on going along this Western kind of um, like feeling and inspiration, a lot of those stories are told without exposition or kind of backstories on any of the characters as well. So I think I can see it playing out either way, whether they just don't reveal anything at all or if they do decide to do it, I you've convinced me that they will do it with some semblance of kind of respect. Well, I think when discussing the show going forward, I think the child character is obviously the most important and interesting one. It's very easy to like gloss over it, but I think there's a lot important about that character and information they've given us so far that begs a lot of questions and theories. Um, A, of course, why were they out there? Were all those people paid to look after him? Were all those people there in that that location uh, protecting it for their own uses? Did they know that it was force sensitive? 
were they protecting it because they thought it was force sensitive? You know, like that's question A. Question B, we find out it's 50 years old. That is not a random number picked out of a hat. That is a very specific number that means something to the show. 50 years would place it shortly before The Phantom Menace. That thing has lived through the entirety of all six films and what's been going on in the background. So then it begs the question of, does the Emperor know about him? Does Darth Vader know about him? You know, like there's lots of interesting little bits of information there. And then it's, of course, the third piece of information that the second episode opens up that I think is most interesting is because when I went into the second episode, I was like, is it, for, I wonder if it's force sensitive. Like, cause so far we've seen two Yoda species, yeah. right? Yoda and Yaddle. Both of them are force sensitive. So, so far hundred percent of that species is force sensitive that we know of. Not to say they all have to be, of course, that would be silly to assume, but that's what we, we know about. They've now confirmed that this character is force sensitive as well. So then it's like three for three is Yoda's species a, such a rare rarity species so so few left that basically whenever one comes about they are just always force sensitive you know like they're, they're a very force in tune species is that simply how they work that could be an interesting um thing to explore especially for a species because there's no other species like that in star wars that we know of that's like apart from a fuck, fucking midichlorians i suppose like <laughs> they're the most force sensitive things one thing about that too, with it being 50, it raises a kind of overall kind of continuity kind of thing because I believe I was reading somewhere that Yoda was teaching Jedi at 100. So if that's the case, it's going to mature. It hasn't matured very much, I guess, because it still looks like a baby at 50. It's, I guess, kind of... I think, we're, I think we're all calling it a baby because it's like easiest, but the episode does call yeah. it a child. So I think like... Can, like within the show itself, they would want you to consider it a child, not a baby. Yeah. It's just the internet obviously names it Baby Yoda. Oh yeah, of and course. It looks like, like a baby. Yeah. So, the, well, like we don't know what the size they are when they're no. born, so it yeah. might be halfway through its growth cycle. But it it looks like it's in its infancy. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um. The other point, not to deviate too far from that, but the other point that most surprised me in the opening couple of episodes was there being a community or another contingent of Mandalorians, which was yeah. not something I was expecting to see in this so show. So early? I was, like I was either, expecting either to see so, so early. early, and I don't didn't expect it. I was expecting for another Mandalorian or a group of Mandalorians to show up towards the end of the season, as we discussed, with you know his identity being more revealed. But there is that lingering... Um, the statement of has your I think it's has signet, your signet signet being revealed been revealed and there's this you know underlying plot there underlying kind of string there of okay what the fuck's going on here then like what 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 is, what did she mean by that what, who like what what exactly is going on um, they get it, that entire scene that plays out in the Mandalorian. Um, guild section is what i'm referring to it as because he very he does enter a room that has the mandalorian uh symbol on the top of the room the crests and everything like that so um and then there's several mandalorians sitting around but yeah the, obviously the, the keywords in that whole scene are uh beskar and if you don't know what that is it's like you better google it quickly because it's very important it's uh the mandalorian steel it's like their version of kyber crystals i guess it's like you know you build some shit out of that it's it's tough as fuck um sabine wren in the rebel series um, 
the, the reason she kind of abandons her people is because she starts working for the Empire when she's a lot younger. I'm unknowing of like how bad they are, of course. And she builds a weapon that's made out of Beskar that basically helps the Empire take down her people. And she feels terrible for herself or about it. Um, so Beskar shows up a lot in Rebels. Um, that's the material he's going to be after to get all that. Interesting. I, I, once again, once we finish recording The Mandalorians, I start thinking about more things that I hadn't thought about <laughs> while I was recording it. But I'm like, oh yeah, they did have like an Empire crest on it. So it's like the, the, the yeah. Empire has like taken all of it, this it, Beskar it, and then like imprinted their own symbol into it. And the thing it reminds me the most of is uh, the Nazis and the gold. Yes. The gold, the stolen yeah. gold bullion. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's a, yeah, a very good um, connection. Uh, so then the next thing they bring up is the whole um, the signet thing that Kieran just mentioned. Has your signet been revealed yet? He says no. Uh, she asked and he says no. It's like, what the fuck does that mean really? What, should, what is his signet? How, how important is his signet? Is he keeping it a secret for a reason? To affect what, who, when? Um, and then the third key word for that whole scene is the foundlings thing of which he says that he once was a foundling as we see a flashback sequence to Clone Wars era where he, a child, we're presuming it's him because it's playing out like it's in his head, like you're remembering it, um, is hidden away, uh, very like Jyn Erso-esque is what I compared it to from Rogue One. Um, he's hidden away and then I guess found eventually by potentially the Mandalorians and then they help raise him. But then that does beg a question of was he actually a Mandalorian in the first place or was he simply a found child that was raised under Mandalorians and then made a part of the the guild, you know? Like, is he actually a quote-unquote full Mandalorian or does that not actually man- matter for Mandalorians these days? Especially when their planet uh, during this time period is dwindling, pretty much destroyed under the Empire's reign. We know as much as that from the Rebels. Like, their, their planet was being pulled apart, destroyed, nearly all killed down. We're definitely going to get to cover that because obviously, once again, Dave Filoni's involved with the show and he did... Clone Wars, so that's that's all going to become a part of it. But yeah, there's there's lots of lots of really interesting nuggets thrown out very quickly for a, an episode that's only thirty eight minutes, and then the second episode that's uh, only thirty minutes, and it's a lot to take in. I would say, um, especially for your average Joe yeah, Schmo, it definitely feels like it's made more for the fan as opposed to the general consumer. The, I, it's weird to say, but like as much as pe- like the animated TV shows are made for kids, right? This does still just remind me more of watching Rebels or Clone Wars yeah. than it does a movie, because it's it's already just playing in weird and wacky stuff. Like that's another thing I love straight away at the episode. It's like here's a fucking dude with a flute. Here's uh, <laughs> here's some crazy alien creatures. Like the sh- the show's already just gone weird and wacky. Um, talking about weird and wacky, the final question I do want to ask everyone about the Mandalorian is do you think that anything that happens in this series before the release date of the next couple of weeks, before the release date of The Rise of Skywalker, could be relevant towards that movie at all? No. No? <laughs> no. No, I, I... I hope not. I hope not? I could see, I could see potentially, like, maybe... Somewhere in this series, we see the the glimmer of the beginning of the first order. Um, I we I could I could definitely think we could see that in this. I don't know how much that's going to relate to Rise of Skywalker, but I think that's something that could definitely be played on through this with what we've already got with those remnants of the Empire um, being there. It's it's 
there's obviously going to be more to that. I'll tell you what I don't I, want. Are you I, are you more thinking that the Yaddle kind of character would show up? Or anything that's connected. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. big or small. Really hoping 75-year-old I mean, Yaddle doesn't show up in Rise of Skywalker and save the day. That's definitely not going to happen. Nick Nolte. Yeah. I'll tell you what, he's, he, he's looking good in the show. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to do any work on him. <laughs> he has spoken. Yeah, that I have spoken. That's it. Absolutely, it's my as much as I love cute baby Yoda. I have spoken is my favorite thing this year. Um, One thing that was a, a treat to see was the IG droid in action. In oh, live finally action get to see Wars. an IG droid yeah. do something. Yeah, and it makes sense the way it's designed with like the head spinning around and just going everywhere. Yeah, well, it's because yeah, Dave really Filoni. Cool. It, it, a lot of the shows just Dave Filoni's. Uh, dreams from when he was a kid watching Empire and finally having a chance to be like, well, this is how that works. You know, he was playing these action figures when he was a child and he's now able to be like, the action figures I had, now do this. Um, I'll say that I think, I do think there will be a connective fabric. I do think it will be a tiny thing and I do think it'll be to do with the First Order. Um, I, the most outrageous thing I could say as like a connective thing that wouldn't really matter and wouldn't affect people not watching the show but would be like a cool thing to see would be to see... Um, I think what's the character's name? Captain Pride, Pride, yeah, Pride, right? It's this new character that's being introduced in um, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, being played. Oh fuck, I forget who's actually playing him. I should look it up. Jesus Christ, they, they, we haven't seen him in any of the trailers yet. He was one of the first actors revealed uh, oh, in the doing? first photos for it, and he was next to Domino uh, Gleason's character, and he's um, part of the um, Richard E. Grant, Allegiant General yeah. Pride, is who he's playing. So presumably a first order character a first order character of prominence because in the the photo they released for him he is standing um sitting down and domino gleason's general hux is standing up behind him like very much like he's behind like general pride is the one in command of this situation what's happening here so i i feel like a cool but not important possibly connection would be to have him show up maybe just as like a, a character and hint at towards him having something prominent to do with the emergence of the first order, creation of the first order, these sorts of things. And then you could have obviously his character show up in rise of Skywalker. And then for people that have been watching both shows, it's like, okay, so that dude's been around for so long. He was basically there at the start of the first order. That's cool. But it's not super important and wouldn't ruin your watching of the movie. If you don't have that information, I feel like that's a connection we could have. What if the Mandalorian is raised dad? <laughs> Far out. Vigil <laughs> is so actually Snake. <sighs> Ray has been a Mandalorian all along. Kieran's having his mind blown. He's like, "Oh my god, Yeetle's actually Snoke Oh my god! Why oh, you fucking Nimrods?" Yeah. Any um, any last thoughts or things anyone wants to go over before we end this one? Random Mandalorian no, I'm, thoughts. I'm, I'm super excited for the next episode of Mandalorian. Like, I think a lot happens. Well, no, I think a decent amount happens next episode because I think we get more from the Mandalorian Guild. I think we get more from the Empire. Um, hopefully, unless it's going to be a random, like, quote-unquote filler episode. No, but, there's no filler yeah. episodes in this show. Yeah. No. Yeah, I hope not. I'm more excited for the remainder of this series than I am for Rise of Skywalker. That's some big words. Big, big words. Whatever, whatever floats your boat, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm i excited for this and the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I'm excited to be oh, watching Star Wars weekly. <laughs> That's exciting. 
This makes me more even more excited for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I even started looking at possibly buying my Rise of Skywalker Midnight release wow. ticket. You know, d- don't go too hard, Kieran. Don't buy them ahead of time. Don't, let's, not, <laughs> let's not be crazy or anything over there. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Old Rain Explosion. Next week, we will be discussing The Force Awakens, so make sure you watch the movie before then so you can play along at home. Please share this episode on social media and tag at ExplosionPod if you're enjoying it. Tell your friends and rate on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Old Rain Explosion is a Darth production of ExplosionNetwork.com, which is where you can also find What Do You Want to Watch, our fortnightly movie and TV podcast, and also where you can find The Mandalorians, our Mandalorian after show which goes up every week now you can follow me on twitter at vivaldil v-i-v-a-l-a-d-i-l you can follow ash on twitter at ashley holby a-s-h-l-e-y-h-o-b-l-e-y you can follow kieran on twitter at yup boy ringo and you can follow nick on twitter while he's tweeting at the moment at lord n prior may the force be with you always <laughs>